they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome to Bible with the Barbers, and the both barbers are here today. Can you believe it? And, but the real question is, do they know how to pray? Yeah. <laughs> I was just listening to the end of the Cherry and Jesse show. Yes. Lovasic, <laughs> do we know how man. to pray? Yep. So there you have it. So we're going to talk today about the, the light and uh, who is the light and how do we stay in the light? And um, I want to begin by asking the angels to join us here because the angels are here at our side to give us light. So we start with the Sanctus. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth. Plenis et terra, gloria tua, hosanna in excelsis. Benedictus qui venit in nomine domini, hosanna in excelsis. So we're going to actually be using the Christmas, um, Advent Christmas Circular Letter 2022 from the Opus Sanctorum Angelorum. <coughs> and in the beginning of it, Father Ludwig Ott gives us an interesting perspective. Mm. And he's talking to us about the world that we live in. Okay, mm. And he talks about and it's true. How many people have you heard asking, are we in apocalyptic times? Are we in apocalyptic times? Is this it? Is it the end of the world? And it certainly kind of looks like that, doesn't it? I mean, there's chaos everywhere. There's confusion throughout the world. And even in the church, there's this terrible confusion. And so we have to acknowledge, mm-hmm. we, you know, don't pretend it's not real. Yeah. It really is real. We need to acknowledge this state of the world and recognize recognize the part of our enemy in this whole situation. The devil is out there to cause confusion and to take us away from God through fear and anxiety. All right. So where do we look? Where do we go? Well, have you ever heard of the Prince of Peace (laughs) or the Queen of Peace, the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ? Yes. Uh, Or the Queen of Peace, his Holy Mother? Sure. That's where we go. We need to go to Jesus and Mary. They are our hope. They're, Jesus is the salvation of the world. And his mother was intimately united with him in his salvific work. As a matter of fact, God, in his providence, chose to be dependent on the Blessed Virgin Mary to bring about the incarnation and the salvation of mankind through the incarnation. Mary, Father also talks about how has the enemy, the devil, been able to gain the upper hand in so many ways. And I, I know you, we and I both have talked about that. Can you share what his insights are on that? And so he said, first of all, moral compromise. Exactly. We're compromising our morals. Yes. You know, and, and so we, we're, we want to be friends with this materialistic world. Yep. And we want to say, I can live in this world and have my finality in this world and have all my happiness in this world. Well, that's a moral compromise. Yep. And the other is human respect. Oh, that nails it. We don't want to stand out. We don't want anybody to point to us and say, oh, they're different. Oh, what's, you know, well, wait a minute. Human respect is not, you know, God doesn't worry about what other people think about us. God looks at our heart. Remember Jesus said that? Mm-hmm. Man looks at the appearance. God looks at the heart. And that was what he told Samuel when Samuel was trying to pick a king for, for, <laughs> for Israel. When he went to Jesse's sons, you know, and he sees all these big strapping boys who are so handsome and good looking and candidates that would be, oh my gosh, these are great candidates. And God rejects all of them. <laughs> and he goes through seven sons and he's like, well, don't you have any other sons? Oh yeah, the youngest one, the youngest one, David, you know, the little kid, he's out there in the field. He's, he's, he's handsome and whatever, but he's not very big and he's not, there's nothing impressive or imposing about him. 
And God had looked at David's heart, and this was the man he had chosen. So it's not about what other people think. And this is, we, we need to fight this continuously, especially in our world, because we have a lot of, how do you say it, Terry? Um, we're all concerned about what other people are thinking about us. And you notice, Mary, God uses the weak to confound the strong. Yes, he does. And so he doesn't, in that analogy that you just gave, Father said, it seems like today it's, it's the hoi polloi. And, and one of the thoughts I have on this article, too, is that Our Lady of Fatima said souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. That's part of the solution to this problem of fighting the devil, to fighting evil. It's prayer. Prayer and sacrifice. And Jesus said, if you're not with me, you're against me. Mm, well so if we want, we have to be, we have to make a choice. Mm-hmm. We can't sit on the fence and, and you, know, straddle the, you know, straddle the line, as it were. No, we either have to choose for Christ or, mm-hmm. or against, or if we don't choose for him, we're against him. Right. That's what he said. So if you're not with me, you are against me. Amen. And if you don't gather with me, you scatter. Look at Matthew 12, 30. Oh, yeah. So for in this advent, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to root out all of these tendencies to want to compromise our morals and to want to live in human respect. And we need to remove all of this from our hearts so there's room for Christ to come and enter. You know, oftentimes you hear, well, Advent is so different than Lent. And it's not, well, it is penitential. Why is it penitential? But it's joyful penitential. But penitential in the sense that we need to get rid of the things of the world that are dragging us down so, and keeping Christ out, that are crowding Christ out of our lives. Mm-hmm. So we need to get rid of the, our attachment to the things of this world that crowd, crowd, crowd Jesus out and make room for him in our lives, in our homes, our families. But first of all, in our own heart, each one of us. Well, we can't give something that we don't have. Amen. And so that's why, you know, it's so important. We, I was talking to a priest last night at a parish up in Bishop, California, and he was talking about um, giving, you know, the children good formation. Amen. And, you know, that the parents need to have the formation first themselves so that they can pass this on and show the, that the children, that mom and dad know this, believe it, and it's lived out. So I thought that that was uh, an appropriate comment from the pastor of the parish. If you ever get a chance to go to Bishop, California, stop into the parish there. What was the name Our of that? La- Our Lady of Perpetual Help. What a great name. Our Lady of Perpetual Help. Good, solid priest there. So, yeah. all right, continue, Mary. Beautiful. beautiful. It's, it's, it's there. It's a quarter on the corner of Sierra and Home, um, about a half a mile off of um, 395. Yep. So we find ourselves faced with a godless, amoral world. Amoral. Does anyone know what that word means? Without morals. Yeah, that's our world today. Think about what, what Cardinal Seurat just said, Mary, a world without order. He said, the fundamental values promoted by the United Nations, okay, are based on a rejection of God. Yeah. So oh th- they, God. they're making morals. No, that anything goes. Right. And what's the problem with that? You know, and what's interesting is that is it leads to despair. Oh, yeah. And we're in our world, we're desperately and despairingly seeking happiness in material things. Material things can't satisfy the human heart. You know, what, in what does human happiness truly mm. consist? And that's a question we have to ask ourselves. Money? Well, no, because money is only loved for the things that you can buy with it, you mm. know. And the more material things you have, the less satisfied you are with them. So the more you get, the less satisfied you are, so the more you need. And it's, 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 it's this constant spiraling downwards of pursuing, pursuing, pursuing and not getting anything. Right. We were made for God and for union with God. And this is going to be our salvation, is to acknowledge and recognize we're made for union with God. And it's only in seeking God. And what's interesting, I remember reading, there's a quote that goes something like, 
it's not seeking God and finding God are not two separate things. As a matter of fact, finding God is to never have been satisfied with seeking. Ooh. Because the more we seek him, yes. yes, the more we want. But it's not a downward spiral. It's a spiral. It's an upward lifting where, yes, we are satisfied, but we're so satisfied. It's like, but more, Lord, more. I want more of you. Mm-hmm. And so we're constantly seeking him, seeking him, seeking him, because God is God. Yeah. He's infinite. We can't contain him. And yet we were made for union with him. Mm-hmm. And only union with God can satisfy the longing of the human heart. So th- when we pursue material things... And what are we doing at Christmas time? I mean, sh- are we just shopping? Are we just counting the number of presents we're going to get? Are we all about the elves and, and the fake <laughs> Santa Claus? Are we about the real Christ and the true Santa Claus, as, as Father um, Raymond pointed out in his book, the real Santa Claus? Yes. But that, that is the real Santa Claus who inspired St. Nicholas, God the Father, who sent the first gift of Christmas, who is a child, who is his son. Mm-hmm. So if God the Father sends his son into the world, this is the first gift of Christmas, it's the first Christmas gift. It's Christmas. <laughs> Incredible. You know, and, and it's just beautiful. And we have to we have to ask ourselves, you know, that, because here is this little baby in a manger. And this is the one. This is the one we seek. This is the one who will bring us eternal life. And you know it's interesting. We kind of run from suffering, don't we? And yet what happens to Jesus even in his infancy? He's immediately persecuted, isn't he? First of all, they get to Bethlehem and there's no room for him in the inn. And he goes to a stable. And then within, you know, the, the, the Magi arrive. And what happens? Herod will seek the life of the child. So Christ's life is already marked by suffering from the very moment that he comes into this world. His life is marked by suffering. And there are trials and sufferings for those who draw close to him. Mary and Joseph suffered with Jesus. And yet, this is the way, isn't it? Jesus said, if you want to follow me, take up your cross daily and follow me. And so he, he goes on to tell his disciples in John 8, if you remain in my word, you will truly be my disciples mm. and you will know the truth. And it is the truth that will set you free. Well said. You know, it's not, it's not the moral cowardice. It's not... <laughs> you know, the confusion of the spirit of the world or the Antichrist that we're looking for. It's Jesus Christ himself. Mm. And this world is filled with the spirit of the Antichrist, isn't it? Anything is acceptable except to believe in God and to proclaim his gospel. You know, Mary, what you just said is what I heard a priest say exactly the same thing, that nobody wants to have the God answer in our culture today. Everybody knows things are a mess right now. Even <laughs> secular people, you go, something's not right. Wrong. Look around. Yeah, what is it? Oh, well, it's called sin. That's the problem. We've turned away from God. Exactly. What? No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, can't have that. Can't, no, but wait a minute. There's got to be another answer. You yeah. know, it's just, just, Man has to have a solution, not God. <laughs> Who do you think God is? God? Come on. Yeah. Give me a break. <laughs> really? Hey, when we come back, we'll talk more, but I want to recommend... The evangelization conference that's coming up on the 14th of January. Johnny Romero and myself will be giving a conference all day long. We have mass and confession there, but it's going to be on how to share your faith with anyone, how to bring a soul back to the faith, whether it's your wife, your brother, your friend. We need to get, we got to go back on the offensive to sharing the gospel. Go to vmpr.org or call us at 877-526-2151. More when we come back. Bible with Barbara. Stay with me. 
Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back. Welcome back. So we want to be walking as children of the light, as it says in Ephesians 5, 8. And what do we have here? Well, we have in the prologue to the Gospel of John, the light shone in the darkness, but the darkness did not comprehend it. Read the prologue to the Gospel of John frequently. It's, it's very profound. And don't just read it fast. Read it slowly and let it get to you. Let it get to you. So in John 1, 5, it says, The light shone in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. It's still true today, isn't it? You know, Jesus, our light, he came. He really became man. The second person of the Blessed Trinity really became man. He really took to himself a human nature. God really walked on this earth and walked among us, right? But why did he come? He came to reveal to man the truth of God's love and man's exalted vocation. And what is that? In the beginning, when God made man in his own image and likeness, he made man in union with himself. He gave man gifts that were above and beyond his nature, including the gift of grace, which was union with God. And man lost that through sin. So Jesus came to restore us. He came to recapitulate, to regather all of creation in himself as a creature in terms of his human nature is created. But as the Godhead, the God made man, he gathers all of creation together in, in his own created human nature and then lifts it back up to the Father to reunite it to the Father. We're called to union with God. You know, Mary, this might be a good time to explain what we lost with the fall and how Christ came to restore grace back in our life. I think that for those who don't understand what we're saying, talk a little bit about uh, original sin. Well, when God made man, he gave man grace. First of all, he created him in the state of grace. Adam and Eve were created immaculate. They had no sin. They were created immaculate. So they, God gave them his divine life within their soul so that they could communicate with God and pray and be in union with him. He also gave them gifts above and beyond their nature. That's right. Pretty. The preternatural gifts. Exactly. The gift that they wouldn't be sick. That's right. The gift that they wouldn't die. And what about not having an issue at learning things? It just was infused. Infused knowledge. Exactly. The gift of infused knowledge. <laughs> and so all of this. And, the, and he had, they also had an incredible gift called integrity. You see, they have a body and a soul, and the body has many faculties, and all the faculties of the body, by their nature, want to pursue their own good. So we have 11 emotions, we have our need to eat, our need to sleep, our need to rest, we have our circulatory system, our digestive system, you know, all of this, and every faculty wants to pursue its own good. So God gave us an intellect in our our spirit, our soul. The soul has two faculties, the intellect and the will. The intellect was made to know the true good, and the will was made to choose it. And the the will chooses according to how the intellect sees. (laughs) Well, with the gift of integrity, the human intellect clearly saw that God was the true good to choose. And it was easy for the will to choose. And so all the faculties of the body easily listened to the intellect and followed along Mm -hmm. until the enemy came along, Satan, who had already rebelled against God, and he sows doubt in the minds of men, and he sows ingratitude in the minds of men, and he says to them, oh, did God tell you you couldn't eat of any of the trees of of the garden? Oh, no, 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 just the one in the center, just that one. We can't eat it or even touch it lest we die, Eve says. Mm -hmm. And, and he said, oh, you won't die. You'll be like God. You'll know good and evil. 
Well, it wasn't that they wouldn't know good and evil. They don't need to know evil. Evil is the absence of God. They knew goodness. They already knew God. They weren't going to come to a new knowledge. They were going to lose knowledge. They were going to lose their union with God. And yes, they would die. Not in that moment, not the moment they ate. But they would lose God's grace. They lost integrity. They lost all of those gifts that he gave them, the the infused knowledge and the, the ability to not be sick and the ability to not die. All of those went away. Incredible. And so we suffer the effects of original sin. And that's what, and, and part of that, of course, is love, that, lo- that loss of love. When we lose God's grace, we fall out of God's love. Charity is from God. Mm-hmm. God is love. And when we're in union with him, we can love. And yes, we can love on a human level. We can love one another on a human level. But we're called to love on a divine level. We're called to union with God. Right. And so, you know, you know when Christ comes into the world, he is the light and he comes into the darkness, and the, the darkness doesn't comprehend him. And, and you, know, you have the darkness of the world, and we still have this problem. We still don't comprehend him. When you talk to people about Jesus Christ, it's like, well, I tried religion. I tried this. I, it doesn't work. So I'm just going to pursue my worldly way and, and mm-hmm. eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And it's like, well, wait a minute. You know, we have an eternal destiny. That's right. Have we forgotten that we have an eternal destiny? Well, you just said, have we forgotten? It, it's pretty obvious that the world, the devil, and the flesh are very powerful and especially today, the world, because they're bringing fear into everything right now, Mary. And without a prayer life, without a, a world biblical view, you're toast. I mean, what I mean by that is you're scared, so you're going to follow whatever the state says, because the state is really, and I, this is my take on it, is trying to be the new God to them. So they, they want to tell you everything. And if you don't have your prayer life, if you don't have that relationship with Jesus Christ, you will fall. Right. We need to stay in contact with our Lord. Mm. We need to be fervent in our faith. Yes. And we need to be firm in resisting the lies of the they world, the flesh, and the devil. And the reality is this. Communism hasn't, has failed. Has failed throughout the world. It's, it's, and nonetheless, you have people who think, well, we're still going to make this communist utopia. Mm-hmm. Well, well, how? We've, the communist utopia of the 20th century did what? Mm-hmm. More death than... Y- yeah. The numbers are, are... Astronomical. They are astronomical. They're, they're just staggering. Yep. And, and, and did it make the people's lives better? Ask the people who lived under communism. And yet, here in the United States, where we haven't lived under communism, they're striving to do this. And again, in communism, they replace God with the state. And the state becomes God. It's totalitarian. It tells you everything you're going to do. And it monitors you. Right. And now, they just want to put a chip in you, so it's real easy to monitor you. They can follow <laughs> you with a computer. They don't even need all the agents back you know, in, in Russia. And in, you had to have the KGB in Russia and all these agents who went around following people and, and spying on them. Now, now they're just going to use computers. <laughs> But you know what? We ask God for protection. Man. Jesus is the light, and we do, but we have to pray, and we have to give up our sins. We have to make that break with sin. It's sin that darkens our intellect, weakens our will, and it makes us ugly. We were made in God's image, and sin destroys the image of God in us. God is so beautiful. You know, Catherine of Siena once was shown a soul in the state of grace. Yes. And she said, had I not known with certainty that there was only one God, <laughs> I would have worshipped it because I was sorely tempted to worship. And this, she knew it was just, this is a human soul yeah. in the state of grace. God's grace is so beautiful. His life in us is, makes us so beautiful. It's like, oh, <gasps> yeah. wow. But, but there's only one God and we, we worship one God. 
And so we don't worship his creature. But this is part of the problem. We've, we, we've fallen into this, you know, greed, indifference. We don't care about other people's suffering. We just want to think about ourselves. We don't care about the godlessness around us. We, we want to have, as long as I am comfortable and life is convenient for me and I can go to work and get my paycheck and have yep. my bonbons or whatever and then come home and watch my TV for five or six hours, what kind of life are we living? Yeah, it's a very worldly life. I like your world biblical view. And Father talks about Ephesians walking as children of light. I know we're going to get to that. That is very exciting. The thing that I think the world doesn't realize, Mary, is true happiness is not in this world. Yeah. And when they find, I've noticed that when people find the Lord, and they really do, it's a game changer for them in everything that they do. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when when we commit ourselves to Christ, mm. now, people, I'm not saying there's not going to be suffering. That's part look of life. At, look at the cross behind me, hon. Yeah. It's there for a reason. Right. Jesus suffered. He didn't come to a rat. And this is one of the mistakes we make to Christians. It's like, oh, you know, in the health and wealth gospel, mm-hmm. if I follow Jesus, I'm going to be healthy and I'm going to be wealthy. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know what, honey? Read the lives of the saints. Jesus suffered. Right. And our whole life as Christians is to become like him. Remember, when the demons rebelled against God, what was it? I won't serve. What wouldn't they serve? Well, they were shown a vision that the Son of God would become man. He would become a creature. Uh, and, and so they were like, wait a minute, wait a minute. The angels are above this little twerp you're going to make, this little creature that's some com- complex, com- composite of body and soul, and he's below us. And, and Lucifer was cut to the quit. I'm, uh, quick, I'm not going to serve something below me. Well, I'm, that's something below you, Lucifer, was actually above you because God took to himself a human nature and he raised that human nature above you, your angelic nature. And, you know, it struck me recently, Lucifer, his name means what? The light bearer. That was in the Old Covenant, right? The Old Testament, the Old Covenant. Who's the light bearer in the New Covenant? Mm-hmm. Mary. Mm-hmm. Mary bears the light into the world. Our Blessed Mother brings the light of the world into the world. And Lucifer was cut to the quick. And that's why he hates the Blessed Mother. Read Revelation 12. He goes after her, but he's not allowed to get near her. And, and was, yesterday was the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And it was interesting because the priest said something in a sermon that kind of confused me. Because he said, well, there's nowhere in the scripture really that talks about the Immaculate Conception. And it's like, well, wait a minute. In the verse, hail full of grace, the Lord is with thee. We know that the Greek, kekari tomene, <clears throat> I don't know the grammar, okay, but it, it's a type of word that, it's an action that was completed in the past, but continues in the present and into the future. She who has the fullness of grace, kekari tomene doesn't just mean a highly favored daughter. No, poor translation. It means, now it, it, it can mean that, mm-hmm. but the most exalted translation is the one the church has always used, and that is she who has the fullness of grace, not just in the moment. She's had the fullness of grace in the moment of her existence and continues it and will continue in it forever. And in the book of Revelation, when Satan goes after her, he's not allowed to get near her. Read Revelation 12. He's not allowed to get near the woman. And and in 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 the proto-evangelium, Genesis 3.15, 
God says, I will put enmity between me and the woman. Well, how is there enmity? We're all born as, when we have original sin and we're born, we're born as slaves of, of the enemy. It's only by baptism that we are freed and made children of God. But Mary didn't need baptism. Not because she didn't need Christ. She is saved through... Pre-redeemed. She's pre-redeemed, through, but she's saved through the redemptive action of her son. That's right. But nonetheless, it was promised in the beginning that there would be enmity between the woman and the serpent, that there would be a woman whom the serpent couldn't get near, that he couldn't touch with sin. And that was Mary. And yes, it's very clear in scriptures, and the church has always said this and always interpreted these passages in this manner. So just in case... Anybody was confused about that. But this, and this is the light. We need to walk in the light of Christ. We need to know the truth and live the truth. And it's not just about saying the words. It's about allowing it to affect the way we live. Well said. We'll come back. We'll have more of that. Don't forget, look for our evangelization conference coming up on the 14th of January. Johnny Romero and Terry Barber will be there. Please consider signing up for that by calling 877-526-2151 or go to bmpr.org to sign up on the web. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. We're, we're talking about walking in the light, walking as children of the light. And it's interesting, in Ephesians 5, mm-hmm. we have this reality. And I, I think it's important to read the beginning of the chapter to understand the context here. Mm-hmm. Paul says in his letter, Be imitators of God as his dear children. Follow the way of love, even as Christ loved you. He gave himself for us as an offering to God, a gift of pleasing fragrance. And then he goes on to tell us some things we need to absolutely avoid if we're going to follow Christ. As for lewd conduct, promiscuousness, Mm -hmm. or lust of any sort, let them not even be mentioned among you. You quote that all the time, Mary. Your holiness forbids it. We're not supposed to look at these things. We're supposed to be looking at Christ, okay? Nor should there be any obscene, silly, or suggestive talk. All this is out of place. Instead, give thanks. Make no mistake about this. No fornicator, no unclean or lustful person, in effect, an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with worthless arguments. These are sins that bring God's wrath down on the disobedient. Therefore, have nothing to do with them. Verse 8, there was a time when you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Well then, live as children of the light. Light produces every kind of goodness and justice and truth. Be correct in your judgment of what pleases the Lord. Take no part in vain deeds done in darkness, rather condemn them. And he goes on to say, it's shameful to even mention what these people do in secret. We shouldn't even talk about it, people. We're supposed to be focused on Christ. Give thanks. We're supposed to be filled with the light. And how can we be filled with the light? You know, it's one of the difficulties. And the enemy gets us wrapped up in this. Something happens. We don't like what went on. And we constantly 
we carry on this inner dialogue of just focusing on the evil. And it's like, no, that's not going to bring us to the light. You know, Mary, another practical application of this verse deals with when you're at work or with a group of friends, maybe at a ball game or whatever, and they start talking about inappropriate things, whether it's on moral issues, and you just go along with it. Okay, and you go, oh, yeah, no. We have to say, you know what? I want no part of this. And I think you can call people out in a nice way because I've taught people how to do that in a way. I says, you know, this is just lowering me down below my dignity as a child of God. I want no part of this. Have a great day. Right. And I remember when I was in high school, I had a, a, a girl that I knew, and she um, she was talking to a friend of her older sisters, and her they her older sisters were in the drama club, and and they were joking about being prostitutes. Yeah. And I was kind of looking, I was really shocked. I was like, what is funny about this? Because I, even at then, I was, I think I was a freshman or I might've been in junior, I might've still been in eighth grade, but I thought, what's funny about, there's nothing funny about prostitution. It's degrading to women. It, it makes men into animals. It, I just knew, I mean, it's, it's not good. It's not, a, right. it's not a good place to be. It's ugly. Mm-hmm. And, and, and my friend, the girl that I knew looked at me and said, oh, admit that you think it's funny. And I thought, I didn't, I couldn't even say anything. I was so, but they could see on the look on my face. No, I didn't think it was funny. I wasn't smiling and I wasn't going to laugh. I didn't think it was funny. Right. And I remember even, you know, when I was in college, one of the books that we read, you know, supposedly one of the classics, The Decameron. It's a classic because it was first written, it was one of the first things written in in the the vernacular rather than being written in Latin for, Mm -hmm. for the general public to read. Well, it's just a bunch of racy stories. Yeah. And I, I remember the professor laughing about some of this stuff, and I'm thinking, somehow it seems to me that this is, this is violating what St. Paul just told us in Ephesians 5. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not supposed to be talking about these things. We're not supposed to laugh at them. Yeah, it's human nature. It's human nature to sin. And I, I, you know, somebody said to me recently, well, everybody sins. And unfortunately, I didn't think of it at the time. It's like, everybody sins. Yeah, that's true. But are, are we repentant? Have we repented? It's one thing to sin. It's another thing to say, well, so what? Everybody sins. So what are you saying? You're not going to repent? Yes, we fall into sin. Unfortunately, we should be like the publican. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm not looking down my nose at you. We're all sinners. But are we so calloused that it's like, well, so what? God doesn't care. He knows we're all sinners. Well, he does care. As a matter of fact, sin offends God. It offends him gravely. Jesus Christ came to Free us from such debauchery. He came to free us to live in the light. And what is that light? The light of holiness. The light of living in union with God. The Son of God became incarnate, okay? And by doing so, he brings his light to the world to show us the way out of sin, out of slavery to sin, Mm -hmm. into the freedom of the children of God. And remember, Jesus says in the Gospels, Anyone who sins is a slave of sin, and no slave has a permanent place in his father's household. Mary, this might be a good time to talk about the need to get to confession, because I know all over the country right now, parishes are setting up confessions on an extraordinary time, because during Advent and and, uh, Lent, they do these things. And so I would say it would be a good opportunity for all of our listeners to get to confession before the Christmas season begins as a way of giving a great gift back to Jesus. It is. And, you know, I really want to give a caveat right here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, 
there was an app listener who wrote in, and she's Catholic, and she believes in the Eucharist, but she doesn't believe in the sacrament of confession. Number one, the sacrament of confession was instituted by Jesus Christ. John 20. John 20. He said, Jesus Christ appeared to them after the resurrection. He said, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Whose sins you shall forgive, they are forgiven. Whose sins you shall retain, they are retained. This is to his bishops, the first (laughs) priests of the Catholic Church. Jesus Christ founded the Catholic Church. So he founded this. But Scott Hahn told an incredible story. Tell us. And, and I really think this is so Ill- illustrative, mm-hmm. and I really want everyone to open up their ears and tell this story to all of their friends and share it with everybody. Love it. Everyone you know. Mm-hmm. He had a friend in high school that he used to do a lot of bad stuff with, and his friend happened to be Catholic. I think his name was Dave. Yeah, it was. And, and they stole things together, and they did lots of... I, he didn't enumerate all of them, but they stole a lot of stuff together, and they did a lot of bad stuff. Well, at one point in high school, Scott was going to get caught. He was going to go to juvenile hall. And Scott was a, you know, a <laughs> manipulator. And he was very good at convincing people of things. And he convinced everybody except his dad Father, that he yep. was innocent. Yep. And so he said he had hidden the stolen goods under some stump out in the woods. And that somebody, anyway, he made up this big story. He got, he got himself out of it anyway. But his dad t- said, Scott, I want you to show me what stump that is. Uh-oh. I want you to, f- I want to find it. So they went walking out in the woods and, and Scott, Scott said, I'll just, the first stump we come to, I'll show him. And there was no stump. And they were getting to the end of the woods and Scott, Scott saw this little hill of dirt over there. And he said, oh, there, there's, you know, the, uh, that clump of dirt over there. And he said, his dad said, oh, stump, clump. Hmm. And he knew his dad didn't believe him. Right. And, and Scott knew he had to change. But Dave, getting back to Dave, so Scott changed. He did. He, he asked the Lord Jesus into his life. He became a Christian. He changed his life, and he stopped stealing. He stopped drinking. He stopped you know, hanging around with these guys who were doing bad stuff. And unfortunately, he said the Catholics were the worst. Well, Dave, at one point, his friend Dave you know, was talking. They, Scott said, well, what about confession? You guys go to confession. He said, he said, Dave, do you tell the priest everything we do? Because that could get us a lot of trouble with the law. And he said, no, I don't tell the priest everything. I just, it's just a pretense. I just go in there and make, you know, I just make stuff up. Well, what was interesting is when Scott was a senior in high school, he was in the band and he was going to play for the graduation. And he was going off for practice and he went by Dave's house. And he thought, gosh, I haven't seen Dave in so time. And I'm, I, it's almost long. And I have, I'm early. So he knocked on the door and Dave's mom was, oh, Scott, I, you know, I heard you came to know the Lord and, and yeah, is Dave home? I just wanted to say hi to him. I got to go to band practice, but he said, yeah, yeah, he's upstairs. And so Scott came in and Dave was coming down the steps and he had a coat on and Dave's like, Scott, Dave. So they went up into Dave's room and man, they started reminiscing about all the stuff they used to do and blah, 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 blah. And, um, they just went on and on and on. And all of a sudden Scott looked at his watch and he's like, Oh my gosh, I blew off band practice. I, I, and Dave said, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I miss you. Well, wait a minute, Dave. It looks like you had an appointment too. You were on your way out. You were going somewhere. And Dave pulled a noose out from under his jacket. Mm-hmm. He was going to go out in the woods and kill himself. Why? He had mocked the sacrament of confession. And instead of confessing his sins, and Jesus already knows all your sins, you don't have to be afraid to reveal them. And so his heart had become hardened. And as Carl Menninger said, 90% of all the mental illness he ever dealt with was traceable to the loss of sense of sin. When we play games with the sacraments, it's very, very dangerous. So if you're going to confession, make a sincere and honest confession of all your sins and take responsibility for them. Don't blame someone else. 
So Scott prayed with Dave that night. Dave didn't kill himself. Beautiful. It saved his life. And that was a grace. That was a grace. But Scott points out, you see, Dave had used the sacrament of confession in the wrong way. Yeah. He could have become a better person. He could have gotten rid of the sins in his life if he would have honestly <laughs> confessed them, taken responsibility for them, and said, Lord, I am sorry, because this hurts you. Exactly. It hurts you when I sin, and it hurts me. It destroys me, and it destroys your image in me. And all of you, all of us, don't be afraid. Don't hide things in confession. If you go to confession and you are conscious that you have committed a mortal sin and you don't confess that mortal sin, that's a sacrilege. Mm -hmm. And none of your mortal sins in that confession are forgiven. And in addition to all the mortal sins that aren't forgiven, you've added another, the sin of sacrilege. And this is what Dave was doing. Please, please make a sincere and honest confession of your sins. Jesus already knows. He is the light. And yes, it hurts when you've been living in darkness to walk into the light, but put up with the pain. Allow his light to penetrate you and illumine all the dark corners of your soul and expose it all to God. You know, I remember a priest saying one time at a penance service, Mortal sin. What is mortal sin? Well, let me give you this example, you know. Oops, I guess I'm going to have to. Let me just give a good note. Dave called me 30 years ago for the family conference. He met Scott. They went to dinner, and he's an on-fire Catholic today. I had to leave that before we got the end of the break. I've been wanting to say that. That story that you told, Mary, is so awesome, and it just adds to it. Stay with us, family. You're listening to The Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, December 9th. Uh, Venerable Fulton Sheen, please pray for us, and also Blessed Juan Diego. And, Ma- and, and Mary, the reason you bring up Bishop Sheen, just for those who didn't hear the Terry and Jesse show, <laughs> 30, 43 years ago, Bishop Sheen died on December 9th. 1979. And I just have to throw this in. Let's pray for his beatification. I said it on the Terry and Jesse show, and I'll say it here. The material that Bishop Sheen has given us on the Catholic faith is stellar. And the church has a great need for that material to get into many hands. And can you imagine him being beatified and then canonized, what that will do with the promotion of his work? And I said it, Mary, I know this you know, upset some but I think some people don't want to see Fulton Sheen beatified for the point that I just mentioned, because his material is so clear and its teachings are not with compromise. And so many people, even inside the church, see compromise as, as well, well, we have to do that, which is really not true. And I think Bishop Sheen would be uh, an antidote for the church's uh, situation that we're in right now with so much ambiguity and not much clarity if there was anything that Fulton Sheen gives us here today is the clarity of the what we call the deposit of faith. The sacred deposit that was left to us by Jesus Christ. And we were talking in the last section about the sacrament of confession. And Bishop yeah. Sheen was amazing. He was he, yeah. he would hear confessions for hours. And I another great story about confession. He had a, a young woman again who came in to play with the sacrament of confession one oh, afternoon yeah. on a Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. And um 
he came in and 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 um and so he said uh, she said she said I'm not in here to make my confession. I'm in here to kill time. My mother's out there and she she dragged me in here. And uh and and he said, "Well, you know, let me uh let me open the curtain and I'll I'll tell you your confession." Because there was a curtain between them. And, and so he pulled the curtain curtain back and he said, "You're a streetwalker." And she said, you know, oh, smart aleck. Yeah, I'm a streetwalker, but that's not all. And he begged her. He begged her to tell and, and she wouldn't and finally she left. So Every penitent that afternoon who he came in, and he asked, he didn't tell them. Every penitent that came in that afternoon and that evening, he asked, he said, will you please pray a rosary for the conversion of a sinner? Mm. And he said he only had one who said they wouldn't do it. But he stayed in the church. He heard confessions until 9 or 10 p.m., and then he stayed in the church until midnight. As a matter of fact, the, the policeman, this was New York, the policeman came in, to, he said, he said the, the church is unlocked, What's, and he saw Bishop Sheen praying there, and he said, well, he said, I'm, I'm just, I'm here, I'm praying, I'm waiting for a sinner to come back to confession. Well, at midnight, she came in. Mm. She came in, and she made her confession, and um, she made a complete confession, wow. an honest confession. She didn't hold anything back, and I do believe Bishop Sheen said she became a cloistered sister. Yes, he had a couple incredible. of he had a couple of amazing I know, it's women. Amazing, it, you know. And, and there was another lady in London. Oh, with this, uh, this is confession stories. These are great. You know, yeah. he was in London. Was it London? And there was he. Here he was. He opened up the church one morning, and, and this um, woman fell in, and she was obviously intoxicated. And as he opened the door, she'd been leaning on the door, and down on the floor she went. So he picked her up and. And he said, well, men usually drink because they like the stuff, but women usually drink because they don't like the stuff. Yeah. And so there was a theater across the street, and she pointed to the marquee, and she said, I'm the leading lady in that play over there. Unbelievable. And I'm having an affair with both of the leading men. Oh, no. And only I, they're, they're catching on. They're getting yeah. wind of it. And he said, oh. He said, well, here, come on over to the rectory and have a cup of coffee, and, and um, why don't you come back this afternoon? There's some beautiful artwork here in the church I'd like to see. I'd like you to see. And she said, well, I will come back this afternoon. If you promise me faithfully, you will not ask me to go to confession. <laughs> and Bishop Sheen said, I promise you faithfully. I will not ask you to go to confession. So she came back that afternoon, and he's walking up the aisle, and, and he's talking about this Rembrandt painting he's going to show her. And as they went by the confessional, he shoved her in. I didn't ask. He didn't ask. <laughs> she also became a cloistered nun. <laughs> and you know what, Mary? Since this is Bishop Sheen's 43rd anniversary of his death, I got a minute. I'll tell this story of a woman who was a beautiful stewardess on an airplane yeah, yeah. back in the 60s when Fulton Sheen went to the Far East to open up a church in Thailand, uh, where there was very few Christians. And while he was there, he was flying back to America, and he was talking to this young, beautiful stewardess and said, you have the apostolate of beauty. You are a very beautiful woman. Have you ever thought uh, about uh, becoming a nun? What? Just I'm talking about evangelization. The girl wasn't even Catholic. He, she says, I'm not even Catholic. Oh, well, here's my card. Bishop Sheen gives it to her and says, if you ever want to know more about our Lord, give me a call. I'd be happy to meet with you. So about a year later, he gets a call. There's a lady here at your office at the Propagation of Faith. She said she met you on the airplane. She's a stewardess. And you said that you could meet with her. Okay, tell her I'll be there in 30 minutes. I'm back. And then, of course, he meets with her and talks about, uh, you know, what he was doing and it attracted her to a point where she was curious about the faith and how he had needed to send some nuns back to Thailand to serve these women. And these, uh, they were actually um, people who had leprosy. They're lepers. Right. And so 
make a long story short, it took a year. Fulton Sheen uh, brought her into the Catholic faith, and about three years later, she called Bishop Sheen and said, I want to join that order of nuns that you were talking about in Thailand. Well, Bishop Sheen said, okay, it's long enough. You're, you're fervent, you know, go ahead and take your formation. And she spent the rest of her life serving the lepers in Thailand. Why do I bring these stories up, Jesse? Uh, Jesse, my love. <laughs> All right. I always say Jesse from the Terry and Jesse show. But why do I bring these up? Because this is what's needed today, this boldness right, right now right. of sharing the gospel and not being like, oh, well, you know, we, we got to let everybody have their own opinion. This is a mentality that's going. It's not a world biblical view. No. If we truly believe, like, for example, I'm taking my lunch, my lunch with my wife after this. If we have a great, you know, soup or whatever we have to eat, we're going to talk about it, right? Big deal. What's greater than a great restaurant? I'll tell you what's greater, salvation. Salvation. And so are we talking about that to our friends and our relatives and this is what Bishop Sheen is pointing out. And again, let's pray for his cause, for his beatification, so that you know many more souls will learn more about his writings and his works. Because Bishop Sheen said it this way, Mary, if souls are saved, everything, everything is saved. saved. If souls are not saved, everything nothing saved. is saved. And I think that that's the attitude of canon law, because the last canon of canon law says exactly what Bishop Sheen said. Right. And, and then we're talking here today about walking as children of the light, the walking in the light, because why? This is Advent. We're preparing for Christ to come. We have to detach ourselves from the things of this world. And the first thing we need to detach ourselves from is sin. Mm. And, and we have to detach ourselves from ourselves and our own opinions and our own you know, preconceived notions. And you know, some of us don't like to take responsibility for our actions. We like to blame everyone around us. Yeah. When we go to confession, we can't do that. We need to acknowledge before God, I sinned. It was my fault, my very own, through my fault, through my fault, through my very own fault. It wasn't someone, if it's sin and sin is, sin is in the will, I chose it with my will and it's my fault. Now, there may have been extenuating circumstances that affected my choice that made it less guilty, but if it's sin, I chose with my will to do something that was against the will of God, mm -hmm. against God's law. Yep. And yes, God did give us a law. He gave us commandments to follow. And by the way, getting drunk is a sin. Tell you know, us why, because of the free will that you lose, correct, Mary? Why is, because people ask me that question, getting high. What's the problem? I didn't hurt anybody. But what did you do with your intellect? Well, in, in, in getting drunk or getting high on drugs, mm -hmm. you are surrendering That's your right. intellectual powers and your will. Yep to a created substance, to a creature. Yep. And God is God. So you're worshiping the creature and you're surrendering your intellect and will to a creature. And that's a grave offense against God. It degrades you as a human person. You know, it's, it's the same reason why contraceptive is so evil, by intrinsically evil. Why? It divides what God joined together, love and life. Mm -hmm. And it it makes men animals. It reduces them to their animal state. They're not capable of self-control. They, they just have to indulge their, their um, passions. And it makes women and children objects to be used, commodities to be bought and sold, toys to be played with. No, this, we're human beings made in God's image as persons to be loved. So when we get drunk, when we get intoxicated with drugs, when we um, indulge in illicit sexual activity, we're degrading ourselves as human beings and we're destroying what God made. We're destroying God's image in us. And it's wrong. 
And the difficulty is so many people, you know, they get drunk. I wasn't drunk. What do you mean you weren't drunk? You were staggering. You were speechless slurred. And, you know, and, and oftentimes people are using these things as a way to um, assuage their emotions that were harmed or hurt when they were young. Well, go to a therapist and talk about your past. Yeah. And, but be honest about what things hurt you and what was your response to that hurt. You know, and some people unfortunately learned as young as 12 to start drinking. Yeah. And their their friends, you know, maybe they had a friend in grammar school who had a, their dad owned a liquor store, so they had easy access. Or somebody went to a party and and they got drunk at the party, and the parents their parents didn't know about it, and their parents didn't find out till years later. Well, it has its effect, and that can ruin you for life. Or you can turn to the Lord, and you know, here's the other thing: we don't have to be perfect to come to God. As a matter of fact, God is attracted to our weakness. (laughs) And St. Paul, remember St. Paul said, I was given a thorn in the flesh, an angel of Satan to tempt me, to keep me humble. And three three times I begged the Lord to remove it from me. And he said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And Paul goes on to write, so I willingly rejoice in my weakness because then the power of Christ is brought to bear in me and is glorified in me. Is Paul saying that I deliberately gave in to sin? No. I can resist the temptation to sin. I can renounce the evil. St. Mark G. Tianqian was a, chi- was a martyr in the Chinese Boxer Revolution, and he died an opium addict. He was a medical doctor who served the poor for free. He was a pillar of his Catholic community. And when he was in his mid-30s, he developed a terrible stomach ailment that he started treating with opium. But once he started tr- using the opium for pain, he became hopelessly addicted to it. And he kept going to mass, he kept going to confession. But in those days, in the late 1800s, the the nature of addiction wasn't understood. And the priest said, if you were sorry for this, you would give it up. But Mark never gave up his faith in God. And he begged God to allow him to die a martyr for the faith because he didn't consent to the sin, despite the fact that he didn't have control over his body. And he died for the faith. Yeah. And you see, Mary, that gives us great hope for all of us because we're all sinners. We're all in need of redemption. Right. But keep going to confession. Exactly. Go to confession. And if you have to, you know, tap a priest on the shoulder and say, Father, do you have time to hear my confession? Or can I make an appointment to go to confession? If you can't make it to the penance services, you can't make it to the scheduled confessions, and beg your priest to offer more confession times at the parish. (laughs) Other than that... All right, you got the recipe. Walk in the light. Read Ephesians 5 and read the prologue to the Gospel of God. You know, Ephesians is so small of a book. Read the whole book. It's powerful. It is. The the letters are are powerful. Thanks again for joining us here on The Bible with the Barbers. All of our podcasts are on our website, bmpr.org. As a matter of fact, all the shows that we produce are on our website. You can check those out at your convenience. May God richly bless you and your family.